I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <sighs> I feel like I should start the show with a sigh. Should count to three and get everybody to do a massive collective sigh. Everybody listening as well. That's a sort of that's a sums up the attitude of all Sunderland fans at the minute. And we're joined today, Gareth Barker, and myself, Stephen Goldsmith, by ESPN, amongst others, Christian Henedge. Christian, been a while since you're in. You all right? I'm not too bad, thanks. Yeah, good stuff. And on the phone, former Sunderland, England under twenty one, and under and England under B, England B, <laughs> international <A>. under B. Yeah, <laughs> C. No, not quite. Darren Williams on the phone. Darren, you all right? Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, right? Um, I know the, I'm going to start with the West Ham game. Unfortunately, um, if there's anybody still listening to the show at this point, because um, we do know that sort of, uh, you know, we know how upset everybody is about things. Sorry, that interference has put me off. <laughs> um, right, West Ham. Yeah, I know that Gareth and I don't agree on this, so we might as well get straight into what I personally think. Three defenders at the back was a mistake. Neither Carroll nor Nolan were likely to sort of ghost past our defenders. I thought there was a redundant defender in our half, and that contributed to the result at the end of the day. Gareth, tell me why I'm wrong. Um, I think that the three at the back is fine with the two defensive midfielders. If you play Johnson, I think that was a mistake. If they, if they'd played Johnson instead of Wickham and then Barini at front, because um, Barini was lost. Really, I don't really know where he's supposed to be playing, and played two behind. Um, Barini a bit like we set up at the end of the Liverpool game where we were really threatening when we still had three at the back I think that the wing backs are a better option as an attacking threat than the other midfielders just at our disposal in a system and uh, the two best central midfielders we've got aside from Key are Bridcut and Catamol mm. the system account, accounts for them both I didn't have a problem with two sitting midfielders um, I think I think when our full backs get forward like they do it's important to have that cover and because Kevin Nolan was playing but I just think Personally, Christian, my point of view is the full-backs could have got forward anyway at home to West Ham. I just felt, and this isn't anything against sort of Virginia's performance because Virginia actually played okay, I just felt like it was redundant. And, you know, forget about sort of chalkboards and tactics and numbers and formations and all that stuff. You know, you're playing football. Darren will probably tell us we're all wrong in a minute because he's the one who played football <laughs> to a decent level. But, you know, playing <clears throat> football, I just felt like there should have been an extra body in the attack on third against a side who played one up front and one just behind him. I got the feeling that it was uh, a reactionary uh, tactic to the fact that West Ham were going to counter-attack a lot. If you saw in the second half with, with Diame and then when he brought Armero on, there was a real insistence from West Ham to wait until Sunderland had committed people forward and then break on them with that athleticism in midfield. I think getting three at the back gives you a little bit more stability on that. Um, but for me, the, the biggest tactical query or concern is that Adam Johnson didn't start he's leading goal scorer most assists he's been the most influential player all season and to, to leave him off for such an important game seems crazy that's something we can all agree on I think there's not going to be no arguments there uh, Darren did you did you catch the game yeah I did I, I caught the game um, you know it's obviously you know a disappointing result really more than anything um, 
I think the biggest disappointment thing for me was the you know the fact that we didn't start with Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to work out. You know, whenever he comes on the pitch, he you know he causes problems. Um, you know, he's comfortable on the ball, and he picks out them passes that for me nobody else does in the side. Um, you know, and he causes a lot of you know he causes a lot of threats as well. Um, you know, and that that was a disappointment for me. I mean, touching on the the three at the back, I mean, I've I've, I've done it myself um, this season with with Whitby. Um, you know, and it, it's it's important that you know the three at the back obviously take command of that. You know, you, you, your your wing backs as such, you know, need to try and force the wingers back as far yeah. as possible. Um, for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't sit with two defensive midfielders. Um, you know, I think you've got your three there. You've got your wing backs. Mm-hmm. I think you need one defensive midfielder, and then you've got your other two. Not so much with a free roll, um, but you know, a, an opportunity to get forward and, and give you that more more of attacking option than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know you're playing three at the back. You've got your two wing backs. You know, look, taking care of the wingers, and then you've got two defensive midfielders as well. I just for me, it, it seemed a little bit negative. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I think it was a good point. I know that Craig Clark who comes on the show sometimes made that it was sort of almost like the attacking impetus was falling to the wrong players, wasn't it? Because of the way we set up, we suddenly found Bardsley in good positions, Lee Catamall in good positions, and I, th- I think that's sort of what I was driving at as well, that you would rather have a sort of a creative or attacking player w- with that responsibility, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I think you know there's there's no there's no reasons that we can't set up as a, as a, as a three five two as such you know as how it was three centre halves and you know obviously two wing backs but I think you know the the added bonus would have been maybe having you know Johnson in, within that hole you know pretty much a free roll you know pretty much like years ago when Teddy Sheringham used to have that free roll and just roam about and and pick the ball up and because you know he, he's comfortable on the ball he can like I say he can pick out passes he gets into situations he gets into shooting options. Um, and I think that free roll there, maybe you know, it's obviously in hindsight would have caused obviously West Ham a lot of problems. Mm, that's something Gareth's pushed for for a while. The free yeah. roll, isn't it? Um, well, the, the thing is, I, I mean, I, it might sound harsh, but I just don't really, don't really see the point of Conor Wiggum. And uh, like, re, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, just didn't hard. stop talking I mean, after that. <laughs> In that in that system, if if it, if you're playing him there and it, it's at the expense of Barri- getting the best out of Barini, then there's no question which is a better player. You've got yeah. to play Barini up top, but I just think I would have played one up and then two behind because I think because of the slow build up that we play, we better have players coming onto the ball. We're not going to get lots of balls in behind defenses, I don't think. So when you've got when you've got players trying to make things happen and coming onto the ball in in deeper areas and attacking the box, but not necessarily slipping balls in behind and stuff like that. And then when we get the full-backs forward and then we've got people coming out of the ball of the box, I think that's when we can be dangerous. And I just think the three at the back gives you that security. I understand the point about the two defensive midfielders well, and doing the inverted comma, size, comma signs with your fingers because <laughs> I think, you know, Catamore, for example, I mean, you'd probably pick Bridcut out of the two if you wanted a, just a holder. I think Catamore... Drives the team. He, he, he injects pace. He does, but there's a, there's a limit to it, though, isn't there? There is. He but, shouldn't be finding himself in a What would be the other option? Play just one defensive midfielder and then play Johnson in the middle with Key. Probably, if you're going to look, if, if you're at home, Kristen, what do you think? And if then you, two if I can understand why he done it at Anfield because the sort of players they have, the centre forward's going to go past your defenders. But what, what, what do you think? Well, I think if if we look at the the Bayern Man United game, the fact that they didn't really play with 
people, a, a number of strikers meant that Manchester United's defenders had to decide: do we go out and try and get them, or do we just sit off? And it it makes it a bit awkward for the opposition. But I think if you can put maybe Bridcut in there, Larson, and another hard worker as your midfield three, and then put say Johnson and Key off Wickham. That gives you something from deep because I think Adrian is incredibly suspect from distance. Um, Johnson's goal wasn't that far out, but when I've seen him this season, he's always been susceptible from distance. And I think if you'd had a few more pop shots from players that actually have got a bit of a, uh, a skill with it, then it, it could have possibly, you know, bore some fruit. So you would have played, you would have played uh, Wickham ahead of Barini. I just think because he's a he's a bit he's a bit more physical and he's the kind of player that is is likely to be targeted to, to be you know roughed up a little bit I don't think Barini they would try that because they know they, they stand a chance of giving away a penalty mm. interesting Barini had a bit of an off game himself didn't he I think Gareth mm. when him or Key don't perform it exposes us even yeah. more doesn't it because we kind Too of we, players, yeah, yeah exactly and we rely on them so much doesn't it and that's a worry isn't it well, yeah, I mean, we won't have to worry about it for much longer because we've only got eight games <laughs> left and they'll be gone after eight games. So, um, But, yeah, you know, the, it's really... I, f- I feel a bit sorry for Barini because he's never, like, he's been, you know... I was an advocate of keeping him wide because I quite like his moving from the wide area. But he deserves a run through the middle. The, the strike, the centre-forwards that we've had this it's season... It's almost as if it's the only thing he hasn't yeah, tried now, isn't it? He's in, the, uh, they're inept, the centre-forwards that we've got at the moment. That's You know, that's a sad fact. You know, Scott will reserve judgment on him. I mean, he had a decent chance; he should have scored, really. But it's tough for him to expect him. I mean, I'm interested to know, like Darren's opinion. Actually, um, I'm trying to think. If there was any players we brought in? Maybe Lisland. I don't know. We we there when we had Lisland. I'm trying to think. I was, yeah. You were. So, so there's an example of a. I mean, slightly different because it was in the summer. But I don't know if there was ever a situation. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You'll be able to tell us better where a players come in to the dressing room sort of at the back end of the season, the back end of a window, who isn't really prepared to to play and sort of what sort of effect that has. Like, obviously the manager's got an option, but, you know, you kind of feel you've signed him, so you've got to use him. But if he's not ready, it's like a rock and a hard place. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a difficult one. You know, if, if, if he's not ready, if you know, if, if he's not willing to play, then, it, you know, it's a difficult one. I mean, for me, I mean, looking at it, you know, you, you take the first half of the of the cup final, you know, Barini up top, you know, cause problems. Um, you know, he, he makes a management himself. He works hard. Um, you know, he's a he's a good option to have up there. And I think, I think he found himself the other night, kind of neither in or there. Do you mm. know what I mean? He, you know, I think he, personally, you know, watching it, he, you know, he was in and out of the game because I just felt he didn't feel like he was in in mm. particular position as such. I think you know you you've got to identify that, and I think you know you look at it and it's you know you've, you've got Brini and Johnson. Let's be honest, who, who are bright sparks and, and create stuff. Um, you know, and if you know, for me, you've got to have them two in your side. And I think Brini up there up top, you know, and like you say, Johnson playing off him with, with, with somebody else, then you're going to cause teams problems. It, it causes defensive problems because they have to then worry about going out to mark either Johnson or whoever, whoever else is up there. Um, you know. As a centre, as a centre half, it's a, it's a decision you make. You know, do you go out there? Do you get tight with him, or do you stay in your hole and do you cover the hole? You know, and, and that for me disrupts. Uh, you know, a back four or a back three, however you want to play. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think that's that's options that he's got. You know, uh, Poyet's got to look at. Uh, you know, it's it, obviously as we all know, it, it, it's it's one hell of a task between now and the end of the season. But obviously, still doable. And I think you know we've all got to 
you know, obviously hope and, and, and stick behind, you know, the lads as such, and obviously, you know, play it himself. Um, but, you know, I, I do I do feel it's important that, you you know, you have to start with Johnson. Um, you know, we've seen a difference he makes when he comes on, um, you know, and you've got to have that from, from the start. And I, 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 for me, I didn't understand why he didn't start the other night. Mm-hmm. I think we're all scratching our heads. I'll be yeah. honest, I don't think there's going to be any disagreement. The, the, only, the only counter-argument I'd say to that is, and I don't agree with it, is that... Johnson really. It's like you're just playing devil's advocate. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to get it. You know, the thinking behind it. I don't know. I mean, he, he since the Newcastle game, he's sort of reverted a bit the type. Obviously, he came on in the Man United Cup semi-final, changed the game, and then since then he went on that brilliant mm-hmm. six weeks after the Newcastle. But he did game. it Anfield though, last didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. But that's that's probably the only time we've seen him since Fe- since early February. But then is the is the point? You know, like you said, he against Manchester United, he come on a sub and then he started and he took off. So oh no, no, I, I, no, I would have started. And I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I can only think and like maybe trying to think what maybe what Gus was thinking was well, I'm going to use him as this. I think he's possibly so. just thought that as the game wore on, he could have changed the game again, like it, yeah. like, like it did at Anfield. But yeah, it's but like because I was talking to my dad before the game, and it was like, well, if we're winning, we're not going to see Adam Johnson. So why is he on the bench? In case you get him beat, and yeah. That, that, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't do that, can you? Yeah. you know I mean, at this stage of the season, with the with the points that obviously we quite stay up, you know, you can't you can't be thinking of players as being impact players. Yeah. You know, you've got to try and put, you know, what you think personally is is obviously your best side out there. And for me, you know, Johnson's got to be in that. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as you know, like you say, you know, he may be looking at him as being an impact player on, on what he's done, but. You know, for me, he causes problems. Um, you know, he causes problems. He gets on the ball. He, he's very direct. You know, and, and direct something that you know I think you've got to have within your ranks. Um, you know, as much as you have the defensiveness, you know, behind him. Um, basically, you know, from from a point of view of how to set up. So, you know, for me to have Johnson in there would have would have been obviously a, an extra ploy for the for the attacking side of things. It's, I was sending forward the deficiencies up front, Kristen of. It's going to be our undoing in the end, isn't it? We've kind of, we've kind of struggled along despite it, and sort of managed to tread water, haven't we? But it's 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 catching up, isn't it? Because notoriously sides who go down, don't score enough goals. I know there is a few that deviate away from that theory. I can remember Middlesbrough, for example, when they, you know when they had the likes of Ravenelli and stuff scoring a lot of goals, and they went down because they conceded that they have ran West Ham as well when they had uh, De Canio, Joe Cole, etc. But you know the general rule is, isn't it? If you don't score goals, you're going to struggle. And we've sort of had to find goals from elsewhere. Adam Johnson, for example, like we're talking, mm-hmm. even hasn't even had a, a a totally consistent season. It's been his best, but it's been in little you know little spells. And he's our top scorer. Well, that, that's the the thing. I, I think there's actually a psychological element to it as well because you're you're bringing strikers in, and if you look at the crop of them at the minute, there's only Stephen Fletcher who's consistently scored in the Premier League. I think he had 11 last year. Josie Altador hasn't done it in, in England. Ignacio Scocco arrives after a really terrible season at Internacional. Even Barini hasn't done it in the top flight. Mm. And so when it comes to that you know, that clutch moment of the ball drops in the box and it falls to Altador or it falls to uh, Scocco, there's not that confidence that he's going to put it away. And I think if you look at the teams perhaps around Sunderland, there is that one player who you can think, actually, he will put that away and, and will be fine. And I think that in turn really does kind of take the pressure off the players around those strikers because they know look if we just create stuff and we give mm. it to him he'll put it away eventually and the, fr- the frustrating thing at the moment is as well it's you know I thought you know we did did alright in the first half we did better in the second half 
and I don't think we were really, really terrible during the game. I thought we did okay. It's just it compounds it because you can't defend a corner. You can't defend a set piece. Second ball, we talked about it at West Ham. That's what they do. Set, defend the second ball. If there's a, you know, if there's, no matter how centre, how many centre backs you got, no matter how many defensive midfields if you got, if you can't defend a set piece properly, a deep set, you know, deep wide set piece, as you know exactly what they're going to do. He's going to knock it up with Carroll. Carroll's going to knock it down, and someone's going to try and get on the end of it. And the, you know, it's basic. And then we don't take our chances. You know, cut them all. Good chance in the first half. I just think the sort of the theory. Barini. I just think sort of the, this sort of theory that we played really well and we were damn unlucky and that is a sign of desperation. I didn't perhaps, say that. I didn't because, say we played really No, I know, well, but I'm, I'm, generally, I'm generally speaking because a lot of people yeah. are sort of trying to be positive, which I understand. Well, they were just, it seems yeah. like desperation. I mean, you're, you're playing against West Ham at home. Yeah. You're going to have three. You would hope for three yeah. chances in a game. But, you know, the, the, te- the team were totally responsible for the, for the manner of the defeat because they didn't defend properly and they didn't take the opportunities. In a weird way, the fixtures haven't helped either because I think having Palace at home is a little bit more difficult because they are just going to bunker in completely. Yeah. I think against Chelsea they had 42% of the territory, Newcastle it was 50% and they only made 200-odd passes at St James's Park. They were really tough to watch and it was the same at Sunderland. They didn't want to come out, yeah. they didn't really want to try much to begin with and they just thought, right, if we can get one chance and take it, that's great. Mm, I mean, nearly did. Uh, well, Darren, I don't know how, so when, you, when, you, when you play a team at home and they come and Sort of part of the bus is the expression, I guess. You know, yeah. What do you what? How do you approach that when you're expecting that sort of that's going to happen? Sort of what? How are you looking to break them down? If you had if you had sort of Sunderland's players at your disposal and Palace came yeah. and part the bus, how would you how would you sort of deploy your team to try and break them down? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's very difficult when when teams do that. You know, they get you know as many men behind the ball as possible. You know, they defend deep. You know the that you defend obviously in numbers really, and it's it's difficult. You, you you've got to you've got to try and entice them to come out really more than anything. And you know, as daft as it may sound, it's you know it's about moving the ball quickly. You know, and it's it's about trying to entice that one play, one person out and and picking out that pass that you know is going to kind of going to kind of hurt them. Um, you know, it, it, it is difficult and teams set up that way, but you know some teams are good at it. You know, and then that's that's the way they go about, it. and then obviously they try and hit you on the break possibly. Um, or, or they try and get a set piece, which you, you know they, they work on probably week in, week out. You know, you, you know, you know how it is. You know, the teams have, you know, you come up against teams that do that. You know, week in, week out, set pieces. You know, they're all about set pieces. You know, Wimbledon did it for years, didn't they? You know, they're all about set pieces, and you know, and just being very direct. Um, it, it's just about enticing. It's about moving the ball quickly. Um, and like I say, you've got to have that that maybe one or two players within you your midfield ranks or your, or your wide ranks that could pick out that and it's got to be that perfect ball unfortunately mm. um, you know and, and that's what it is and, and that's why you know that's you know as, as much as we go on you know that's what I'm saying about you know about you know Johnson he, he, he has an eye for that pass you know he, he has a you know he does have a, a good ability um, to, to pick out things like that and you know when you come up against teams you know who, who are going to do that and who are going to defend a lot you know that that's what you really need but like I say, it's, it's difficult, you know, and teams do make it difficult for you. And I, you know, I understand it's it's frustrating, obviously, for the fans because you think, well, you know, they've sat in and, and parked the bus, and we haven't, you know, managed to go and beat them and this that, and the other. But you know, take it from me, it's it's very difficult to try and break teams down like that. You, to be fair, you prefer an open game against the team, 
um, you know, at least you have your you know your opportunities and your chances. And mm-hmm. um, but when a team does defend like that, they, they restrict you, you know, to, to you know probably shots from distance really um, more than anything, and you know, which obviously frustrates everybody. Mm-hmm. Let's keep coming back. Was not moving the ball quickly yeah, enough, think, isn't it? But, you know, yeah. the slow build-ups what goes does to be fair. But that, you know, that. The but you look, you look at yeah, the slow build-ups and there's still people not moving yeah. the ball quickly enough in the you middle of the park. You look at, um, you know, the. I mean, our quick ball is a switch, isn't it? So they they try and play the cross-field pass mm. to get it wide. That that's the that's the change. That's where they change the tempo. When that's when they decide to get it forward quickly. Someone takes up a wide position. They're not like cross-field ball and then try and get him get whoever Johnson may be Barini down the line. But um, I think. Sorry, interrupting you there. Wasn't it the other night? I think it was Conor Wickham, wasn't it? He, didn't he come from the right hand side and play the ball with the outside of his right foot into Barini? Yeah, he did actually. He just, yeah. managed, he just managed to get nudged off the ball, didn't he, beforehand? Hmm. Before he got his shot. Well, I think he hit the side net, nothing to be quite yeah, honest with it. But yeah. I mean, they're the, type, they're the type of things that you know that you have to do. Um, you know, you've got to, you, like I say, you know, we run about there about switching the ball and moving the ball, you know, with it's more with a purpose and more with a direction, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, and, and, you know, and, and quick about. I mean, you look at Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool probably one of the most patient teams that you know yeah. I've seen. You know, from kickoff the other day, I watched them and, and they kept the ball, they kept the ball, and they kept it within basically the two centre midfielders and the back four, and nobody else had a touch. Mm-hmm. But they just kept it, kept it, kept it, moved it, moved it, and then when when they seen the pass or when they seen the opportunity to go forward, it was done with it with, with a direction and a purpose, and obviously a speed as well. You know, right. and that's that's what catches teams out because you, you know you you. you you're having this slow build-up play, build-up play, and everyone's just kind of shuffling across and jogging across, you know, the defending team. And then all of a sudden you see that one opportunity and, and they go for it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Liverpool do. And, and to be fair, this season they've caught so many teams with it, you know, and, and it's working for them. I think that's a difference. Isn't it? Sometimes people think, sort of get a, a mixed up between... Um a slow build up and a patient build up don't then sometimes you don't move a ball quickly yeah. enough that that isn't because that isn't always intentional and I think Gus is, would probably rather be patient meaning keep the ball for longer rather than being slow yeah. and laboured like it's been right Darren what's just to finish off can they, can they do it what's going on in the players heads now you've been in this position before of course we spoke last last time we spoke to you I think it was a week before Martin O'Neill got sacked so mm. <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I mean, I mean, personally, I think I think I could do it. To be quite honest, but you know, I don't think it's it's, it's out of reach. Um, you know, obviously, from a player's point of view, it, it's difficult. You know, you, the result obviously against West Ham is a massive, massive body blow for them. Um, it's almost like when, when the, we when we lost to um, to Southampton at home, wasn't it? When you were there that time yeah. with the raid, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But for, you know, for me, it's there's there's enough. Experience within the side, you know, there's enough professionalism. You know, I'm sure you know Gus will get them up this, you know, this week for the game on 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 Monday against Tottenham. And for me, for me, it's an opportunity. And you know, I, I say this, and you know, going to White Hart Lane, you know, probably it's a difficult place to go. They are, you know, Tottenham are a good side, um, but there's no reasons why you can't go there and get a result. Um, for me personally, I think they can do it. Um, I think it's, it's about belief. It's about them, you know, sticking together as a team, as a unit. Um, but I, I honestly think things need to be done with a little bit more of a purpose on it from an, from an attacking point of view. Um, you know, like we say, you know, it, the patient build-up's great. Liverpool do, you know, extremely well. But it's it's having the eye, it's having the you know the nouns to see that one ball, that one maybe killer pass. It might even be somebody running with a ball, you know, to that opportunity that opens up. And you've got to take it. And you know, I've said this. You know, Liverpool are doing it tremendous this season and, and killing a lot of teams off. You know, quite early. Right. Do you want to 
just quickly tell us how Whitby's doing and how things are going there? Yeah, okay, not too bad. Um, you know, we, we, we've had a you know a hit and miss season. We, we to be to be quite honest, you know, probably underachieved for ourselves. Uh, we expected the playoffs, and we you know we're probably going to finish just outside of that. But you know, we keep a very small squad. We don't have a lot of finances. We don't have a lot of backing. You know, which is frustrating when you you see teams below you, two leagues below you. You know, with with pockets full of money. Um, but it isn't about that. You know, we, we've got a good good group of lads. We've got a good sixteen lads there. You know, um, you know, experienced young lads um, who, who are gelling well and, and working really well together. And you know, it's it's been building over the last couple of years. You know, we, we've improved over the last couple of years. Our positions improved in the league. Our performance has improved, and the way we play. And you know, next season for me, you know, and I, I've stuck my neck on the line. You know, it's, I, I, I said I'll go and get the, uh, I'll go and win the league next season. So, that's you know, what, that's and, what and we that's like to hear. You know, pos- positivity. <laughs> Are you, are you going? Have you got the eye on the Sunderland manager's job still? Then <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a little bit of work to do yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, running out of options, so it wouldn't worry about it. Everyone's had a go in the last year. There's been about five. I'm sure you'll get there. One day. <laughs> Joined on the phone now by Jack Hussey from Rule the Roost podcast, and Gareth made an appearance on that. So if you want to go and check that out, see how we did, I'll probably give it a listen to more on critique it. <laughs> Jack, do you want to uh, give your little YouTube channel thing a plug as well? Yeah, I certainly do that. So uh, good evening as well. I just wanted to say quickly. Um, yeah, my YouTube channel is Tetrunk TV. Um, I just do these weird little animations, bit bit Monty Python esque. But it's for anyone that likes football. Hopefully, you can have a listen and or a listen and watch and enjoy it. That's that's the idea, anyway. Yeah, yeah I think we'll. Christian's all, a fan. He's Christian professional. Yeah, yeah, found out by accident about five minutes ago. So mm. there you go. I'll definitely go, take, um, go and go and check it out. I think. Yeah, now. I'll do it when I'm supposed to be working. Yeah, I know you. You get a, you get a lot of free time to do stuff like that, though. Quite quite <laughs> jealous. Um, right, Jack. How's your attitude now towards Tim Sherwood? Then as a Tottenham fan, and he's. These sort of attacking philosophies, they were all built on promises of, uh, of attacking football, committed football, weren't they? Still, is that still popular fans, or his his sort of lack experience and know-how really, is that starting to get exposed now a little? I think I'll, I'll try and separate my own kind of personal visceral dislike of the man um, <laughs> aside for this and uh, try and put it as objectively as I can. I think... You know, when he when he came in, there was the there was the big promise of you know, the shackles are off, yeah. let the players almost like go Kevin Keegan sort of esque, isn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, um, like we were, we were saying previously um, on our podcast that under AVB, you know, we we had a, a very distinct style, but it was always what the manager wanted, and so I think the players probably felt very restricted, and when Sherwood came in, you know, it was, okay, lads, show me what you can do, almost in a Harry Redknapp sense, but as much as we kind of deride Harry Redknapp, he always had a kind of game plan as well, and I think it's becoming more and more clear that Tim Sherwood just doesn't, and (laughs) as... As, as, as easy as it is to, to lay into the lad, I think you do have to look at it on on face value in that he's never managed a team, let alone a top-flight Premier League team. And the kind of lunacy of our board to have him take over is is just getting exposed more and more now, really, as, you know, he started Gilfie Sigurdsson as a defensive yeah, midfielder against Liverpool. I saw that, yeah. 
It's a bit odd that one, isn't it? But he's, he's, it's highly unlikely he'll be there next season, though, do you think? Well, I don't know. The chairman released a statement yesterday where he said there's not going to be any big changes in summer. So take from that what you will, but it's, it's, a, it's a bit alarming. And do you think it's, he's, he's almost, he seems to be the sort of character as well who sort of tackles these problems just by, you know, continuing to do what he believes in even more? For, I mean, for example, you've just sort of come back off a good hide in Liverpool. Now you've got Sunderland at home. It's almost as if you can imagine him sitting there rubbing his hands saying, all right, we'll get back to winning ways against this lot. Attack, attack, attack. Well, it, it, exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Um, then it would just be, it, it, it's that kind of, let's just throw caution to the wind approach that you could see him probably doing quite a good job with a, a lower league team, so maybe a League One team where there's there's less of a kind of emphasis upon this scientific football that people seem to favour now in the in the elite leagues and where it is more just kind of about, you know, guts and glory. Um, but I think football's gone a bit past that now, hasn't it, really? Mm. Um, and for, for, a, for a team that at least has a chairman with the expectations, let alone sort of some of the fans that have expectations of... Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spurs. Um, I don't really think that kind of on-off, on-off type approach anymore, really really works. So what we were talking about yesterday, we were saying it was quite unusual, was that, say, I, I thought that as he, as Sherwood became more pragmatic, um, it seems to have got worse, though, because he, he did that kind of gung-ho 4-4-2 sort of thing at the start, and then he started like kind of temper it a little bit, and as he's gone that way, the results have dropped off. As if he's starting to overthink it a little bit, almost. Yeah, maybe. I've, the, the comment as well, I didn't. we didn't talk about this yesterday, because I just heard about it today, but did he make a comment saying that... Um, he doesn't feel as though he can affect the game from the touchline, so he's sitting yeah. in the stands for the entire game. Well, like, well, there's, there's, yeah, there's two prongs to it. I mean, he he said that he, at the moment, whilst he's still getting to know his team, even though he was hired on the strength that he apparently knows the club inside <laughs> out, um, was that yeah, he gets a better idea of what everyone's doing from sitting up high. Um, but then he'd also said a couple of weeks previously that he's sitting up in the stands, because he can't control his temper when he's down on the touchline. Uh, I don't know if you saw his, his little hissy fit where we he did, threw yeah. his gilet <laughs> against Arsenal yeah. and then he threw the ball at Sanya and he had a go at the Benfica manager, Jorge Jesus. Jesus. Um, and, you, you know, it's just all these mixed messages coming from everywhere. You think, you know, Tim, like people, people have memories. You know, all this stuff is recorded. Like, you, you can't say two weeks down the line, oh, actually, I'm doing this for some 
tactical reason when you've just said a couple of weeks previously it's because I can't control my temper. He needs he needs I'm, one of those uh, that you know the, the set of headphones what Allardyce used to wear when he used to sit up the top. Can you remember that? <laughs> well, it, well, it starts yeah. with throwing off your gilet. Where does it end? Headbutting David Myler? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, he is yeah. sort of like a, an English watered down version of Paolo yeah. De Canio almost, isn't he? <laughs> watered down. Well, he's a little. Yeah, he hasn't been. He hasn't been quite that critical. I yeah. wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't say. Well, he's had more. He's had. He's has, he ba- has he banned ketchup from the dressing room? Do you yeah. know, uh, Jack? <laughs> No, but he apparently punched someone after the Liverpool. I heard that yeah. rumour. I didn't know if that was just a Twitter rumour or not. I, I don't know. It's a bit weird, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, Aaron Lennon and uh, Soldado came out afterwards and said it was nonsense, but mm. it still seems a bit strange it would come out anyway. But yeah. would you, Is there any of them that you'd like to punch? Jan <laughs> Vertonghen, I think, at the moment. <laughs> he's a great player, don't get me wrong, but he's, he's, he's an annoying character. He's, I think someone tweeted not long ago... Um, this this journo that for the past three months Jan Vertonghen's just looked like Tottenham aren't his problem anymore and he he definitely comes across as that, that type of player we've got um, 11 of those on the pitch at the moment <laughs> I remember yeah. that, uh, that video that was going around at Halloween where the was it Kyle Walker was jumping out on players and scaring them yeah. Yeah. I think he did it Vertonghen and he was just <laughs> completely unmoved yeah. just a blank <laughs> face mm. so it's kind of one of those things where you feel like you know that one of the producers would have said look mate this is this is kind of for kids watching you know just Maybe try and get into it a bit, and you know, him, <laughs> him just on his agent get me the move to Barca, which isn't going to happen now either. But no. mm, oh yeah, of course, yeah. If you had a right, move, this, if you this, had a scalp the Chelsea game, yeah. yeah. This has come back to the lads in the studio here, Kristen. This is the kind of game I can get to grips with. Playing three at the back, I'm not necessarily sh- saying we should do that against Tottenham, but what I, my, my point is, three centre defenders at home to West Ham wouldn't be you know is a lot worse than playing three centre halves at somewhere like White Hart Lane where you expect to come under the cosh and you're going to have to play a counter attack on football so do you think he's going to go down that route or will he tinker it again it's, I know I'm not trying I don't mean to ask you to sort of second guess what he's going to do here but in theory um, I think if you look at the early narrative for Spurs it was that they couldn't really score goals at the start of the season and, and Soldado probably typifies that he'll score hat yeah and I think if you then look at Sunderland at Liverpool that formation actually quelled Liverpool for quite a decent amount of time. And that's the team that has scored the most goals inside the opening half hour of the Premier League this season. And so if you can apply the same formation to Tottenham, you kind of think it has mm. more potential to give you yeah. the result you're after, given that they're, they're not as fluid in an attacking mm. sense yet. I mean, do you think that... So I don't know if Soldado will fancy it. I imagine it'll be Soldado who starts up front. Um, I don't think he'll fancy playing against three centre-halves and Catnamall and Bridcut in front... I think we'll have a lot more. There'll be a lot more loose balls around the penalty area against Tottenham that we'll we'll have to snuff out and then break. And I would play the three at the back, two wing backs, two sitters, to just two off, two off. But I'd play. I wouldn't play one off. Barini through the middle, Johnson and Key behind, and that, and it's because that gives you the link. You've got options too. You've got two players roaming, and it's that's dangerous. You can't pick like Darren Williams was saying before. You can't pick them up, and if you if players are breaking and you can't pick players up, you, you know. He's struggling, especially with the way Tottenham are defending at the moment, which is, uh, you know, I'm sure Jack will testify isn't exactly mm. the, the most uh, encouraging. Well, you certainly feel that we we aren't going to get a better chance to go to White Hart Lane and pick something up because we keep so. This is one of the games you would look at in the fixtures, isn't it? And sort of write that one off, tick that one off, put a line through it. Um, now we're we are losing and drawing the games that we put a tick yeah. next to, <laughs> <laughs> so that isn't very helpful. So you know, again, like I do every week, try to clutch at straws, Kristen. Is this a game Sunderland should be confident in? Because Tottenham aren't exactly, you know, 
it's not all rainbows and butterflies there at the moment, is it? No, I, I don't think I don't think necessarily be confident, but I think they shouldn't be frightened of going to White Hart Lane either. I think they should approach it knowing that they have the opportunity or the potential to cause as much trouble as, as a number of teams already have this season and that they're not an infallible prospect, Tottenham. Mm. How will Tottenham line up um, from an attacking sense, Jack? I'd, I'd like to know myself, to be honest with you, mate. Um, I just wanted to go, what you were saying about the three centre-halves there as well, it's, it's an interesting point in that we've been pretty redundant down the wings this year as well. Um, I mean, if, if we're to look at kind of how we will line up, chances are we'll probably be playing Ericsson out on the wide left, who has that tendency to cut inside anyway. Um, if he's fit, probably be playing Aaron Lennon on the right, who's had a terrible season as well. Um, I think he's had one assist all year um, and no goals. So that kind of gives you an idea of what, what we're what we're like down the wings. Um, He'll be on the plane to, to Brazil then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I should think so. Um, probably as a spectator or to sit on the beach for a bit, but definitely not playing for the team. Um, uh, up front, yeah, it will be it will be Soldado up the top on his own. Um, and you know we struggled all year to to give him that to give him that kind of supply line that he needs. I mean, there's been a lot made about whether it's down to him or it's down to the service. I think it's a bit of both, but at the same time, you know, we we really lack that kind of that imagination to to get anything unlocked um, in terms of getting it through to him. Um, but yeah, if we are playing Ericsson up on the left, um, which we may do, you'll probably see um, through the middle. Um, likely Bentaleb, as we've seen him in in most of the games. Um, Dembele, if he's looking a bit fitter again, he's he's always going to be in there. He's he's going to be good at breaking up the play. Um, we'll have I, I would hazard a guess that Sandro will be in there too, um, as I think he was apparently carrying a knock for Liverpool. Um, but again, that's that's sort of unsubstantiated, um, but we'd hope to see him back in there um, then at the back well we, we're going to have Danny Rose a man you know well left back <laughs> Carl Norton on the, uh, as a right back and then probably um, Vertonghen and Kabul uh, as our centre backs and then Lloris um, in goal that's, that's how I'd see us mm. right so I, hear, I hear that Gareth and I'd be amazed if he didn't line up the same formation yeah. for yet because that seems that's what I'm getting at the same suit of better than that my, my argument earlier on against West Ham and I'll keep going back to it but I mean I know did you say earlier that, that um, Gary Neville and Carragher were, were sort of critiquing it and saying it was a hard system to sort of just yeah. spring on the players just late in the season I, I, I mean I didn't see any of that but my point to sort of add to that would be I can see where they're coming from on that because Poyet had said before Liverpool we've been practising this we were thinking about playing it in the League Cup final against Man City. Now that's very different. Mm. That's a very different setup to when you play West Ham mm. at home. So this is kind of back to that almost, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> not to go back over all ground, but I was calling a year ago when we were doing this podcast. I was calling for wing backs. <laughs> you were so calling what? I was calling for wing backs. I know you were. What do you want to call Starling? To win games. I'm just saying. <laughs> it. I don't think it's this negative formation that people are making out. I don't agree with it. I think it no, it gives no, you a base it, for your pl- for your good players. It, be, it to, depends. To, to, yeah. No. I. I. No, if you I, take quick, if you take Wigan out and put Johnson in, nobody and we'd won the game. Nobody be twisting. The issue, the fact is that Johnson was dropped, and that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not the three at the back, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. anyway. You definitely go uh, if he's been if he's played three at the back at Spurs and he played three at the back at North West Ham, 
the likelihood is he isn't going to change it. He'll change, might change personnel. He'll bring Johnson in. Will he bring Johnson in for a defensive midfielder, or would he will he drop a striker and bring and bring Johnson in off the front? Would he drop Key into the in the middle of the park and then push Barini and Johnson in behind Wickham? You just don't know what he's going to do. Um, but he's got he's got personnel to chop and change it. But you know we've seen no matter what the system, no matter what the personnel, we, we're not getting positive results, and that's just the way it is. And you know that's the biggest worry. He can go and set up as best he can there, but you know it's going to be ridiculously tough to get a result at Spurs. But they've got to they've got to go in feeling confident if they can. Be, but they look devoid of confidence at the moment. That's my biggest worry, you know. Mm-hmm. We aren't going to agree about the three in the back from Monday night, so we're going to stop mentioning that. Um, Jack, are you in a pub? <laughs> no, I'm actually at work, man. <laughs> really? Okay. Sounds like you're in a pub. I was getting jealous. Um, I wish. I wish. What's um, success for Tottenham this season now, then? Success. Yeah. What's Back the what, 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 What's the best you can hope? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, what's the best you can hope for? Uh, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, it's got to be fifth place that we're aiming for. Um, I don't think we'll get fifth place, um, but yeah, that that I think turning turning our year around now that would be the marker of a of a good season. And otherwise, you know, we're we're on the we're on the decline, given that we've you know finished sort of in the fourth and fifth places for the past few years running now. There's parallels, I think, between the two clubs in some respects. In the summer, you know, you had that money from Bill, obviously you saw Bill, which was disappointing, but we brought in a lot of players. You know, you on a different level brought in a different level of what was everyone. I know the talk at the time was like, well, they've sold Bill and they brought in X, Y, and Z, and how fantastic is that? And like, none of big reputations, and, weren't yeah, they? none of them. Have, I mean, Lamella. I mean, his record signing wasn't he? Did you break your transfer? Was it three times you broke your transfer record in in the summer or something like that? I believe so. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think about who it was. Who was the third one? But I know we got in Soldado for twenty six and a half, and Lamella for thirty. Um, Polinia, that was it. Polinia for seventeen as well. It was Darren Bent before that, actually sixteen yeah. and a half. Boo. <laughs> yeah. we've, had, we've, we've had a cheer and a boo. Yeah, uh, no, we've, actually, we've in, next in the, we were talking on the pod last night on theirs, and uh, Jack was saying that you'd was it you'd seen you drive him drive Danny Rose back to Sunderland, so. It was one of yeah one of our one of our listeners. He said uh, if you want Danny Rose back, he'll drive he'll happily drive him back for you. That so, often I mean, happens, all that doesn't it? Yeah, we'll take just him. go out and loan and, and sort of excel, yeah. and then the, the parent, the fans of the parent club often say, "Yeah, I'll drive him up there yourself." Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny though. To be fair, when it, when he first started um, this season with us, he, he he was looking really good, and then he he kind of got an injury, came back from that, and just hasn't really kicked on at all. Um, so, yeah, who knows what's going on there? Right, prediction, prediction time. Going to get a prediction from everybody. Uh, start with our guest, as always, Jack. Um, I don't know. You can be, on, be honest as you like. No, yeah, um, I can see you scoring, um, and it depends how how tightly you defend. If you go with the three at the back, say one all. Really. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I, I do think so. See, so kind of, you kind of want to sort of feel positive about that and be happy about that, Gareth, but one point Not probably isn't even enough, thing, is it? That's, that's the situation. I think people talk about must-win games against the teams around you. They, yeah. m- they become must-win games now because they need they need the points. Yeah. Um, and that, do you know what? I don't know why, but I just fancy us. Do you? For some reason, I've just it's classic Sunderland, isn't it? You take you to the pit of despair and then sort of like, you know... Dangle you're about I've seen a, a few bit people sort of go with that. Before the flames, go with that sort of um, 
narrative are yeah, was that, know, yeah, we're going we're to win these we're going to win a couple of these games against might be one the of them big where sides and then lose to Cardiff at home and lose you know, to West Brom at home where's Michael maybe. Chopra when you need him <laughs> <laughs> well down the boogies um, <laughs> I think so but yeah t- allegedly yeah, well, I don't. I think it's more than allegedly. I think, isn't he? He's in a bit. Of, he's in a serious uh, bother. What a shame. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say two one to Sunderland. I don't know. I've just Crikey. got this feeling. I've just got a feeling. Kristen, uh, time for some realism. I'm gonna say two one Tottenham. I think. Um, That's a fair enough. Pick. It'll probably. I think it'll be one one at at one point, and then I think Tottenham will it'll just break hearts in the last ten fifteen minutes. I think we'll get be three one, and I think it's gonna be. They're going to smash us. It's going to be three 0 and we'll probably get a sympathy goal towards the end. <laughs> sympathy um, goal, like someone, yeah. like Sherwood's yeah. going to come on, yeah, trying to re- re- make amends, like mm-hmm. show he's a good one of football's good guys. And and we'll be, we'll be that. The ball the we'll, spot. Actually, we'll be that bad that Sherwood will walk in our dressing room and start shouting at our players and tell, <laughs> tell them how rubbish it was. <laughs> Okay, we'll just finish off as always, spending five ten minutes just talking about general Sunderland stuff, what the future holds, <laughs> as depressing as that as that sort of may be. Kristen, it's not being pessimistic; it's being realistic to say it's looking very, it's looking grim now. Yeah, the, there's going to need some kind of huge spark to turn it around. I mean, it's it's a bit unfair and poor. I think he's got twenty. He's 23 points from 24 games, so if you stretch that across the season, he might have just stayed up on about 37 points, but now it's not looking too too grand. Mm-hmm. I, think, I, th- I think Gus has done as much as he can yeah. get for this side, hasn't he? Um, as Kristen just said, it's remarkable to an extent that mm. we've got an outside chance of staying up, and it does feel like an outside chance now, of course, yeah. doesn't it? But yeah, it's still there. What we were talking about the other week when we were saying how basically we've given teams a, essentially what is a 10-game head... Uh, 10 game head start because we had the two games in hand and we were one point after eight games so to be even four points from safety at this stage is a pretty I think after one point from seven if somebody said he can be you know four points from safety with eight games yeah, to go you would have snapped the hands it, off you? so I mean, but, I, I, mean think that, I think people just sort of got got a little bit carried away with that little spike we had over mm, through January and the yeah. cup run of course he added that didn't it it's almost give people false hope Christian doesn't it I think I think a little bit, yeah. There was obviously a lot of new signings that came in. You couldn't really gauge, I think, how they were going to do. Um, I'm personally a little bit disappointed with Skoko. I thought he might be able to give just something in front of goal. He just doesn't look fit. Like, yeah, just doesn't look doesn't fit. Doesn't look fit. Doesn't look ready. Um, can tell he's coming off the back of a bad season, um, and it's it's disappointing. You almost don't want to look to next season because then that's completely admitting defeat. But it's it's probably something that's going to have to be done the next month. You missed a good chance, actually, Scott. I think maybe if you'd been on a bit longer to size that header up, you know, that's a, that's a decent chance in the Premier League. That is that header, I think. Just going back to a point Darren Williams made, and something I make a lot about the players not moving the ball quickly enough. Um, I suppose it's also similar to what Kristen was saying about the centre forward sort of not feeling comfortable when the ball falls to them, and it's just it comes down to confidence, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, and and, and the, the confidence is sort of. Sapping from the side at the moment. I think Soldado's actually quite a good comparison because whenever you see him, he doesn't really get into goal scoring positions. Mm. Um, and that's the case with Sunderland strikers that don't get into goal scoring positions. Um, you know, he's going to score a hat trick, don't you? He probably well, he might, possibly. I mean, that tends to be the case, doesn't mm. it? Um, yeah, so, I mean, going back to the system, saying again, just briefly, I think, I think Gus, you know, he's just trying, like you're saying, he's trying everything he can. 
he's tried a variety of systems, he's tried a variety of players. I know a few people have been saying, well, he should just pick an 11 and stick with it. I don't entirely agree with that because, you know, I just think there's too many players too often let the team down for him to ignore that and then pick them again the following week. He's got to take them out and bring them back in because it's it's no one's ever consistent. Which I mean, we talked on the Spurs podcast yesterday, and they were saying, "What? Where are your threats?" And I couldn't think of one. Like I couldn't think of what. Like off the top of your head, what do we do? It's down individual. It's individual, game, isn't it? It's individual, and you're hoping that an individual is going to do something. And if you're relying on that, you're in trouble. Like let's, all, let's all those, um, you know, is it the Guardian who do the like pre-match previews where it goes? It, like I think it might do it using a like who scored or something like that. And at the bottom, mm. it's got um, like strengths and weaknesses of each team. Oh yeah, yeah. And every every one I've seen for Sunderland all season, no weakness, no strengths, no obvious strengths. That's what it says. Statistically, we don't have an obvious strength, and that that you know, and that was even through the good spell, and you know, Poyet. I think he deserves a lot of credit for getting something out of these because Lord knows how many people have come in and tried to get something out of them and even the people who brought them, a lot of the players in have got managed to get nothing out With of them. With the irony being that the one who looks the best equipped to do that is probably going to be the one who takes us down. It'll be his name on the on the records, won't it? Yeah. Well, I think All as well, right. if you look at like Martin O'Neill, there, was, there wasn't really a discernible tactical style with him. And yet, it's Canio almost now as if you knew that, though, isn't it? Because at the time, people were saying, I mean, I know he's always been a bit of a negative mm. sort of manager, if that's the right word for it, probably a bit harsh, um, but sort of counter-attacking manager. And mm. it's almost now as if you kind of look back and think he was just looking at the group of players he had and thought, this is the most pragmatic thing I can do with this group of players. Yeah, and I think, you know, De Canio came in and he gave you a bit more of a tactical style. There was a bit more, you know, understanding there. But then, even still, there wasn't any real strength that you thought, yeah. oh, this is what Sunderland do really good. If we stop them doing this, then we might be able to beat them. And then again with Poi, there's that style again. You know how you play, but there's not a strength that's emanating from that style yet. I think because there's not enough quality yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, you know, you're hoping to get it anywhere. I mean, it, we, the goal against West Ham, it was quite a nice goal, actually. It was well worked, um, and it was a great finish from Johnson. Um but you just don't see it enough. I mean, again, the chances we had, you think if you take well, three it's of them... That, that urgency almost sort of sort of appeared and, and manifested itself out of desperation again. You know, we, mm. right, we're losing 2-0, we need to pull something out of the bag here. And you kind of just want that urgency mm. from the start. And it's just so frustrating because we had it in the cup final and it's just not been, it's not been back since, has it? Mm-hmm. I mean, no, not the Norwich one. Going back to that, we didn't really talk about that a lot because I haven't, I haven't seen any of it. Because I we had the, the goals. we had the Liverpool game to sort of uh, discuss, but that was just mm. that was a sickener, Christmas and a side in a relegation battle, and that would have been a huge three points, wouldn't it? And a side that struggled to score goals as well all season, and then Alex Tetty pulls out something that's I don't think he'll ever mm. do again. But um, to be fair, we could have been four down before that, couldn't we? No, yeah, it was a, it was certainly a difficult afternoon, and again, Norwich highlight the this fact that you need a good goal screen you need a confident one and they took a big risk in bringing Hooper and, and Van Wolfswinkel and who haven't done it in the Premier League and I think look if there's a positive to draw from this if there's something to clutch onto next season it's that when Poy has implemented his style with a, a degree of quality in the side relative to the league yeah. they're in it thrives and they they came out of League One after being right at the bottom of it when he mm-hmm. arrived yeah. and then charged up the championship with this great new stadium and all that kind of stuff and really did build a positivity that Admittedly, fell flat with the Palace game and and you know defecating in changing rooms and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but prior to that, 
it was kind of Allegedly. really good, quite good to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's important, though, Gareth, just finishing now, and this might seem obvious and a simplistic thing to say, but even if the players are now going to sort of fall just short, it's important that they don't stop, isn't it? Because I remember when Mick McCarthy came 2003 and the players here then just gave up mm. and he lost 10 games and that wasn't, you know, and now I'm one of Mick McCarthy's biggest critics. Um, you know, I don't get the sort of romanticism around him mm. at all personally. I, I don't, I didn't rate him. Um, but I did, I do feel sympathy for him on those last 10 games because that was a group of players who had accepted their fit and they mm. ended up at the time setting the Premier League record of low points 19 points and they should never have finished on that mm. amount of points with a squad of players yeah. hard and they, they gave up didn't they and that's not what we want to see these final seven games because that could quite clearly happen again um, yeah could um, and like you say that you know the players have got to show they've got a bit about them I don't think a lot of them will be next season certain players are out of contract and do you think they care enough though in the, in, in, in the aspect that you know, it's something I mentioned during the week that should we go down? Assuming mm. well, I'm not going to assume we go down, but say we do go down, that people will look and they will say Sunderland have gone down. It will be the name Sunderland, the year mm. 2014, and that will be it. They won't sort of sit and think about Craig Garner and Sir Blasen and all these individual players, will they? Do you think the players sort of the hiding behind that almost? Um, you'd hope not, wouldn't you? You'd hope not, but you just don't know, do you? And you know the the lads. You know they need to. You know, sat, come Monday. You know they need to be. You know approaching it, saying right, last eight games, and they need to be doing everything they possibly can to win the win as many games as they can before the you know be, before May and give themselves a chance going into that last those last two games of the season because, like you said, you know we're all here because of their name and like they aren't. And that's the point, you know. We support Sunderland; they play for Sunderland. But they need to realise the mag- magnitude of the situation that they're in, and they need to be doing everything in every aspect. You know, if you know, there's reports of the secret football thing saying, "Oh, players are still out in the lash and all this." You know, if any of you are listening, don't just just knock it on the head for the next two months, and then go, and then that'll be it. You kept us in the Premier League. And even if you keep us in the Premier League, I, you know, I wouldn't expect you to stay anyway. So, just keep us in the league, and then you know, we'll say no more about it and get on with it. And we can, you know, the club can move on, Gus can move on, supporters can move on, and everybody will be happy. And you know, Gus will get what he deserves. To be honest, because I think Gus deserves to keep us in the league for what he's done. And you know, that that's just my opinion. I just implore the players to, you know, to you know, at the training ground as well, put everything into it, practice. You know, Seb Larson hadn't scored a free kick in two years. Why not? Like you, we were talking about this the other day, and you were saying, "Is Seb practicing? Is he practicing his free kicks?" Mm. Yeah, you know, six months. It's put, as if as if people come to Sunderland yeah. and think you don't need to do it. Yeah. that's not put, the way at Sunderland. Put an extra half an hour in at the end. You know, what, what's it, what's that going to cost you? Nothing. It's gonna. It means everything to the city, though, that to to have a Premier League football team. You know, the money, the you know, the tourism, that sort of thing. It it really does. So. Well, if you want to talk about it from a business perspective as well, yeah. Craig Gardner and Larson, example, there's two guys, both mid-twenties, about to potentially get what will be, the Second. I would say, the last big contract of yeah. their careers. So, Two, what rele- Im- two relegations on the season. Well, what impression well. do you want to give potential suitors that mm. you 
two players that give up when it gets tough and, and watch a team dwindle down into the, yeah. the championship. Might be slightly harsh to name drop Garner. I know I've done that myself yeah. because he well, hasn't really Yeah, I just mean as examples. I, yeah, I think you could apply yeah. it to any of the guys yeah. out of contract. Bardsley and Colback as well. Obviously, Colback's been given opportunities to sign contracts and hasn't. Um, it, well, that's what the stories are in the papers, like in the last few months ago anyway. So... And there's rumours linking in with Newcastle now, so you just don't know. Um, well, because all the players that I think are at key stage of the career, callback is, is about to hit that 23 yeah. to 27 mark. Bardsley, I think, is 27, so 27 to 31. Well, Bardsley's all in 27. Is he? Oh, well. He's about to 31, isn't he, Bardsley? Is he? I don't think so, no. Is he? One of us is, is getting an angry call from Phil Bardsley, I think. Hey, me. All right, okay. Well, he, Let's go for in the middle. Well, I'll tell you what we'll see. He said 27, he will say he's 29. At the start of the we'll season, he looked about one. 33, and then sometime <laughs> in December, he looked about 24. Well, I'm trying so. to think. You're about 31, aren't you? He's not your age, is he? I don't know. Yeah. I think he's about 29. Getting we'll, to that we'll, split, we'll split yeah. the difference and we'll get, go for you're 29. Get, you're getting, the, getting to that age where you have to give up on the dream, aren't you, when you hit your 30s? Yeah, if you want to talk about it. Right. <laughs> okay, do your plug thing then. Yeah, well, it's our plug, Stephen, because you will be hosting it. Um, yes, on Monday night, in a world first, world exclusive, <laughs> um, we will be providing um, live match coverage um, of the um, Tottenham Sunderland game. Um, we'll basically be watching it on the television, like a lot of people will be, um, and we will be covering the game using an application called Fandio, which you'll be able to access via Roker Report. Um, on the day, there'll be the opportunity to go on there and um, join in. Basically, it's a chat room set up um, with almost Skype type integration so we will be broadcasting via the, the microphone um, there'll be myself, Stephen obviously and Craig Clark from Rogue Report and um, we'll do a bit of pre-match build up and then we'll you know, we'll not commentate in the game but we'll just discuss the game as it's, as it's going on. You can join us in chatting, offer your opinions on chatting if you want to as well if you've got a microphone um, you can you can come on, if we can invite you on if you've got, think you've got something good to say or you'd like to put a point across and we can, you know, invite you on. You can turn your mic on, and you can join in the discussion as well. So, you know, it's just an opportunity for supporters to watch a game together and, you know, discuss stuff. So, um, it'll be a bit like a, a podcast as a game is occurring, I guess. So, it'll be interesting to see if more than five people tune in at any one point <laughs> during the two hours of the game. It's interesting if there's more than five people listening to this now. There's going to be no <laughs> outgoing message or rallying call or anything like that because we're just grateful for anybody. Still listening, and I know it's hard. I don't like reading things mm. regarding Sunland about Sunland when, when we're struggling. So I, I understand if people have lost a, bit, a little, little bit of interest. Thanks, yeah, yeah. thanks if you listen, yeah, yeah. and okay. we'll hope to see you after the win at Tottenham. Eh? Yeah, and don't buy the sun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.